You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Oh, it's absolutely amazing to see so many people here in Hall J at Gen Con where the Dice Men Cometh are coming to you live from the festival floor. Just There's wait, thousands of people here come to see us do our live show today. They've all been buying me drinks. It's quite nice. It's amazing. Whoever thought we'd be doing a live show from the floor of Gen Con, boys. G'day, Tom. Hey, Queens. How you going, mate? It's absolutely Bugger amazing. Bugger off, Queens. We'll talk to you later. We've got t- we've got things to do. We're recording. Hang on. I was... Oh. I was having a dream that... We were doing a live show from the floor of Gen Con. What happened? I woke up and I'm here in the Edge Radio studios. It's 99.3 FM, unfortunately. It's not yeah, live. You're, you're in a university in, Ho- <laughs> in Hobart, Tasmania, oh, Australia, no. at the bottom of the world, I'm afraid. I thought my luck had changed. Uh, anyway. No, you're stuck here with us still. Well, this is absolutely Gen Can't. Yes. It is <laughs> How dare you call him that? It is Gen Can't. That was an honest mistake. There was no reason for that language. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are here... Uh, Thursday, the 4th of August, and it is episode 336 of the Dice Men Cometh. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, I, Mark, am joined by Garth. Yes, you are, and I'm joined by Leon. You are indeed. So I'm not joined by Mark, just by you. Well, you could be joined somehow. No, there's perspex glass between us, actually. (laughs) It's some form of board game daisy chain, but we are here to talk about board games, card games... Sometimes role-playing games, but not tonight, because we've just got a whole bunch of board and card games to talk about. No, we've got a dice game. Oh. That, oh, yeah, all, here we have. Also, yeah. That's also what we're doing. That's right. So we're going we're gonna to be talking no, we've about... got a board game, a dice game, and a card game. We do. Oh. Wow. We're just covering all the bases, except for the aforementioned role-playing games. So that's like a board game, a dice game, and a card game walk into a bar. Not in one in Gen Con, though. No. Oh, that hurt. That's a heavy bar. There you go. Because <laughs> the, anyway. the horse has a long face, you see. Yeah, uh, that's right. Okay, that was so, a very low bar. So we've, we've got lots of games to talk about. It's been a big week in gaming, and it's going to be a big couple of weeks in gaming. But look, what do you say? Because we're here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, we better keep the music people happy, play a brief track, and then we'll come back and talk about all those games. We'll do that. Sounds yeah. great. You're with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello, dear listener. My name is David, and I'm one of the official friends of the Diceman. And I want to explain to you in less than 90 seconds why you should also join the Diceman Patreon Party. For the monthly costs of less than two packs of low-quality card sleeves, you will not only support three blokes with a passion for board gaming and podcasting, you will also get access to the wonderfully entertaining Secret Podcasts. With your support, they can continue to develop and grow the show, pay for all those podcasting hosting expenses, attend a few more conventions, and maybe even replace the tin cans and strings they currently use as recording equipment. And being an official friend of the Diceman also comes with benefits. Sure, they will not be donating their kidneys to you, but there is an online community, prize draws, and more importantly, access to the secret podcast stream. The secret podcast will provide you with more Diceman content that is not bound by public broadcasting standards or time. In fact, the most recent one was longer than my last game of Ark Nova. That's right. The secret podcast is sometimes presented in an earthy vernacular of fruity verbosity that would even make a worker placement builder blush. But they are always entertaining, and it's probably their best work. So sign up to a Patreon account and support the Diceman. Okay, Diceman, can you please now let my family go? There you go, Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Nice Men Cometh. That was a great Tassie act called Psychroptic. They were the keepers. Dedicated to all those dungeon masters and game keepers out there that play 
the fabulously amazing role-playing games that we all love to play. I saw them when I was 16 and I did some head banging. <laughs> it was much fun and that led to more head banging. <laughs> no, I think Psychroptic have gone to bigger and better things since then, Leon. But well, yeah, my they're, head they're banging, in the hall next they? to us, aren't yeah, they? That's yeah. right. Yeah, they're playing a live set at Gen Con. Anyway, yeah, now, apart from listening to head banging music and hanging out in Gen Con Hall, Jay, you H, said. You yeah, said Jay. Jay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark, don't give it away that it was false. <laughs> we have been playing some games lately, gentlemen. We have. And look, we are very, very lucky to have received this game that we are about to talk by the Australian company called Good Games. Now, before you tell us what the game is, Garth, just wanted to let you know that um, Australia is a lovely place, right? It's it one is. of the most beautiful places on earth. But mm. the thing is, I don't want to go outside. Oh. I don't want to go outside and look at the beauty and deal with human beings. So is there some way we could, we could help me out with that? Yeah? Sure. So some sort of board game I could play, perhaps. Uh, you, you could, because yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of gamers are allergic to the outside world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we're in Indianapolis at the moment, mm. so I mean, no wonder you miss Australia. Oh yeah, over here in Indianapolis with all their five hundreds <laughs> yeah. and their Reggie Millers. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I should go and get a hot dog on the corner. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so look, we have been very generously provided with the, the game called The Gardens ah. by uh, good friends of the show, Good Games. Lovely. And you are more than welcome to jump onto their website, which is goodgames.com.au, or more specifically, shop.goodgames.com.au, and search for The Gardens. And you'll be able to pick up a copy of this game too. But mm. you've got to be quick because there are not many copies available. No, she's selling and she's selling well. So look, The Gardens is a game by Grail Games, who we've had a, a long-standing relationship with through David Harding, mm. who is the brother of Phil Walker Harding. Yes. Mm. Who's a little bit of a gaming legend, Sushi Go. Oh, I'd say his brother's, his brother's probably more of a legend, I reckon, depending on who you ask. Well, it depends who you ask. They're both good geezers. Yes, they are. So uh, the game The Gardens is based on Sydney's Royal Botanic Gardens. And for those of us who have lived in Sydney, you go there quite often because mm. finding some green space in Sydney is, is pretty good. And the Sydney Royal Botanic Gardens is probably the premier chef's kiss of gardens that Sydney has to offer. And it is also right across the bit of water... Not across the other side of the harbour, but on the same side of the harbour, like the next bay around from the Opera House, another bay around from the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So you're right on the Sydney Harbour there where it's just amazing. So exactly. it, it, it is right in the heart of Sydney, right in the heart of Sydney Harbour. And if you haven't been to Sydney, yeah. this is a good way to go there without even getting on a plane, Leon. That would be amazing. And it's probably easy to find this because you probably just come across this garden anyway, just trying to navigate Sydney streets because who knows where you end up. No, like the back of my hand. I'll, I'll teach you one day. No, because that involved going to Sydney again. So look, Blah. this particular Royal Botanic Garden is world-renowned for its location, its beauty and historical and scientific significance. And each of its 29 hectares Amazing. are not only stunning, but a calming retreat from the city streets. <sighs> now, the gardens is a kind of a tableau-building, card-drafting style of game where you and a few mates... We'll be playing this over a, a, a certain number of rounds where basically you want to try and fill up your particular garden with as many beautiful cards to score many beautiful points. Now, before we go through the, diff the, the sort of things that make this game quite interesting, I do want to acknowledge, oddly enough, that the designers have really, I, I think, paid a really nice homage to not only the Botanic Gardens, but the rule book starts with an acknowledgement of country to the traditional owners of the land, the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation, which I think is just a really nice yeah. testament as an Australian-designed game by Matthew Dunstan, who is an Australian based in the UK, uh, made the game with long-term collaborator Brett J. Gilbert. Be artful. I just think it's just it's something that we should see more. Yeah. You yep. know, Obviously, there are some Australian designers out there, not a huge number, but any game that is produced in Australia showing um, connection to the Indigenous cultures yeah. of Australia is wonderful. We've got some massive Australian designers these days, like, you know, Shem Phillips and Martin Wallace, people <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. We've met Rust them both in Australia. I'm, we're claiming it. I don't care what Rust anyone Crow. says. Crow. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, he's back in the good books. Yep, that's fine. Oh, yes, yes. He's a, he's a Greek god now. <laughs> yes. So, look, you're going to have your own little individual tableau, and that tableau is made up of two sides, and each side has 
three rows of four columns each. Now, the good thing is each of those little individual columns will take up some cards. You'll have three of your visitors that are placed along the middle of this particular individual tableau. And as you're playing the game, you're gonna be drawing one card per turn. Over the course of several rounds, you will have drawn three cards every single round. Each of those three cards are gonna form a little place onto your tableau. And the way they've designed the cards so that you don't get confused around which line of them going on your tableau is quite clever because the top cards, the A cards, can only go on the very top line and you can see that because the back of the cards match the back of the tableau. The lower cards also have the same thing, which is a city skyline kind of look so that you know that I've got a card from column A, I need to place it on column A. It makes sense when you pick it up and yep. that's where I need to yep. place it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to basically create the most beautiful, i.e. the most Victory Point Tyrus garden. Yes, but by doing that, you need to make your garden look nice, because if it looks like a hodgepodge of chaos, it probably won't score you that many points. Well, maybe. Mm. So, for anyone who has played a game like Sushi Go, I think the easy way to is to explain it is, is that you're going to be trying to do scoring things very similar to something like Sushi Go. There are multipliers where if you have a selection of the same type of tree, of which there are four different types, if you get that number of trees, the first tree might be worth one point. If you cross a couple of trees, it's going to be worth a few points, and then up and up and up as you go. Uh, you've then got uh, streams, so how many different streams you cross, and if you end at a fountain, yeah. you get to score those. You don't cross the streams, You never you? cross your streams, but you might in the Royal Botanic Garden. Except I'm for sure this people, game where you flat out need to cross the streams. I'm sure people <laughs> have very often crossed the streams in, in many Botanic Gardens. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, there are lots of different variables for the final scoring, which I really, really love. There are, yeah. there are six, sorry, seven boxes on the main board. And this is a double-sided, uh, sorry, a double-thick board. Ooh. So there's these little inlaid scoring sections where you've got multiple different in-game and during-game scoring. And you basically shuffle them up and choose the ones that you want to play as you go. So it's nice and full of variety. But ultimately, the main message that you're trying to do here is that you want to go for a walk because you don't want to just sit down at a park bench, Leon, in a garden. You want to have walked to that particular park bench. You want to have walked past the trees. You want to have walked over these streams. Mm. You want to have viewed the statues that you see. You don't just want to sit down and let the world go past you. Okay, I'll take your word for it. So that's how you're going to score points. As I've said at the start, you've got a central little tableau on your, your park area. You'll have three workers on there, one worker on the column A, one worker on column B, and one on C. And whenever you place a card into each of those respective columns, you move your worker of that row to that same card that you've just played, and that's how you're gonna trigger during game scoring. So say my worker is yellow and he starts on a jacaranda tree, I play another card that's another jacaranda tree, he's gonna walk from one to the other, I've passed two jacaranda trees, that's gonna give me some points. Or I've placed a fountain, I go through over two streams, I score some points for my streams. Or I see a statue and I do some statuey things. Or I sit on that park bench, which gives me car, uh, points for every card that is not only orthogonally adjacent, but also diagonally adjacent. Yeah, because everybody knows you sit on a park bench, the first thing you do is turn your head 360 like an owl and look at everything around you, thus scoring the points. Well, who, who, who doesn't? Oh, <laughs> I regret everything I've done. <laughs> Well, that's a bit, that's a bit bold. <laughs> Everything? Yes, that led me to coming here to listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> so look, this game plays really quite quickly. It says 35 to 45, sorry, 30 to 45 minutes on uh, Board Game Geek. And it plays in a really short amount of time. And I taught it to the two of you in about, ooh, two minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. And by playing all of the different varieties of the final scoring cards, it would take that long again to just make sure that you've grokked how that final scoring cards work. And then you've got an additional level of complexity because you've got little modules that can add on, including monuments. Yeah, this game didn't cop the normal dice men time cost, which is 50 or 100% extra <laughs> at bare minimum. This, we did knock off in a first game we'd ever played of it, but in half an hour, 40 minutes. We did. No hassle whatsoever. Yeah, and yeah. it is really quite a beautiful game. I mean, you would expect a game to look good when it is about a, a botanic garden. You know, something like Parks, for example, Mark, mm. you know, that is about the 
57 American parks. Stunning vista of national parks. And that is all really beautiful, but it's a very different style. Whereas Mm. this one, you're basically starting with an empty green tableau that you are then placing cards on to create this beautiful um, park of yours. And at the end of it, you'll do some final scoring where it might be, okay, what's my longest path? I'll get a point for each part of my, my path. Um, or again, statues, you know, these delicious statues where you, if you have more statues than every other player, you're going to get 10 points for each player that you've got more statues than. Mm. That's exciting and a way to get lots and lots of points. But there's just some of the basic scoring, some of the more complicated ones just allow for a little bit more player interaction, which is great. And most importantly, a lot of replayability. So this game is quite simple. It's very family friendly. It says, again, for 10 plus, easily able to play that with with children who are much younger. This this is a beautiful, easy, relaxing theme. Now, Garth, um, I don't know if you mentioned... The artist, and I. Um, the reason I'm asking about it is I don't recognise the name. So, who is the artist, and what do we know? Have they done other board games? Well, the artist is Kerry Aitken, oh. and I, I don't particularly know if they've done too much apart from the Boomerang games. Uh, okay, <laughs> yep. Now that is another game that coincidentally, um, yes, yeah. Grail Games has uh, has released as well, which is which is actually really quite good. Mm. So there's not a huge amount of other things out there. It looks like there's quite a bit on the works. Mm. However, this could be their breakout okay. graphic design art for a board game. Well, I believe when we did our review of Boomerang, which was rather positive, about a year-ish or so ago, I do remember saying, and it kind of wowed you guys at the time, that I said that everybody in Australia should own a copy of this game. Not because it's the greatest game that's ever been designed, same as The Garden's not yeah. the greatest game that's ever been designed. However, in the terms of an Australian game that you could show to, you know, relos or friends from overseas, or just in general be proud of the fact that have games that are made by Australians and look and are a part of Australia, then I thought, yeah, Boomerang's a great one to own. And The Gardens pretty much slots exactly into that category. Both of those games, I think everyone listening to this, apart from people overseas, but you're you're allowed to buy it too. It's it's fine. And then you can visit us here at uh, Gen Con. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it'd be a great game, I think, for everyone to have in their cupboard. Well, what I find uh, quite interesting about this is is this mass appeal. Like, this is, again, similar to Parks. This game could be placed into any one of those Australian Geographic, National Geographic, sort of the the sciencey, educational-style retail outlets, Um, obviously, as well as board game stores like goodgames.com.au. Yes, Um, and the thing is, I could easily picture playing this with my kids, but I could also picture playing this with my parents. Mm, yeah. And I find that that market, unless they're already gamers, is a really tough nut to crack. My parents play Scrabble at least once a day. Wow. Sometimes a couple of times a day. And yeah. they've got this increasingly large and ratty piece of paper where they score every game. Not a book, just a piece of paper. Yeah. And I can see this game being something that they play. I tried to get them to play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Just spread the newspapers out there, take your time. No, didn't work. (laughs) This game is so mechanically simple and has a theme that my parents like. They're they're all about, you know, going out and, and walking through bushland and parkland and all that kind of stuff this theme would suit them down to a t and i think any any person any board gamer any board gamers family who's tried something like parks or takaido or something that is a bit more relaxed yeah where it kind of obviously matters for gamers if you score well but it is about creating something that you think looks beautiful and points potentially a byproduct of that I think that's where this this has a really good market on it. And it's got a bin chicken. And what Australian game <laughs> Yes. <laughs> without a bin chicken is I don't know. Yes, for any uh, international listeners out there, a bin chicken is kind of like a drop bear, but uh, more <laughs> deadly. Yeah, the old ibis. Mm. They are located in every royal <laughs> botanic garden, probably every zoo in yeah. Australia yeah. as well. And uh, yeah, don't leave a near a all the rubbish of, bins. <laughs> don't leave a bit of food uh, free because they will come and squawk and get it. Now, look, I I did want to play devil's advocate and pick the crap out of this game, but you know the thing is, like, y- yes, it's relatively simple, but I I can't actually find anything negative to say about it. It just it does it knows what it is and it does it really well. I think. 
that's definitely something I can say about it. And I do find that with Matthew Dunstan that he doesn't overcomplicate his games. And, you know, recently he did the adventure game series from uh, Thames and Cosmos with, I think, working with Phil Walker-Harding. Yeah, yep, they did. And, you know, he has done a lot of games where they just work. Yeah. And, and him and Brett Gilbert have done quite a correct. bit of work together. So this is not going to set the world on fire, you know, but it doesn't have to. No. Now, the easy, the easy, easy way to talk devil's advocate is not about the game, mm-hmm. but it is Grail Games. Oh. Because this game was a successful Kickstarter. Uh, it funded, it achieved all its things, and and then and then and then things happened, and due to a Grail Games error, which they've acknowledged, uh, games were released retail before the Kickstarter backers. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. that's not good. <laughs> no, so understandably there are Kickstarter backers who've who've backed a better version of the game than the retail one. They're getting you know a, a wooden bin chicken token, which is all very very important, and a few other nicer components. But seeing people like us uh, on our Instagram and our socials saying, "Here's a game that we have been very generously donated by you know the team at Good Games." Understandably, the backers have gone rabble, rabble, rabble. Where's my copy? And and that is not the fault of us, and it's not the fault of Good Games or any other retailer who has it. It is squarely the fault of Grail Games, and they've acknowledged that and put their hands up and said, "Yep, we stuffed up. Mm. Whatever the stuff up is, it kind of doesn't matter, but because it's happened." Yeah. So there's there's the easy devil's advocate way that Grail Games, who have for a long time produced a lot of smaller games. And their communication has been excellent to their Kickstarter backers because a lot of the games have come out through that. I think this one may just have let the the ball drop a little bit. Okay, well, there you go. That was the gardens. And thanks again to Good Games for providing us that copy. They have been really great, actually, getting us quite regularly good games for us to actually play and talk about on the show. And for an Australian podcast to have a game about a botanic garden in Australia... Produced and designed by an Australian, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Mm. Um, look, it's it's only 70 bucks. So it is worthwhile to spend that money to get the game that you could play with everybody in your family. Yeah. Gamers or not. Yeah. Yep. Really simple. Okay. Well, look, let's keep the, uh, the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie rolling. Here's a track by the dead Maggies. Ooh. Not girls called Maggie, but magpies, I'm presuming. Anyway, um, you're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We are the Iceman Cometh, and we'll be back shortly. And it's starting off slow. There we go. Wow, kicking it off with a bang. Yeah, that's right, back ding, soon. Ding, 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 ding. Enjoy it. <laughs> I fell in love the moment I could see. People actually listen when you flow to a bit. When I was baptized, the water went black. Demons oozing out my pores like molasses and jazz. Hey, this is Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh with Mark, who is the real Tasmanian devil. Alrighty, well, you're with The Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. That was not... The Dead Maggies. Sure wasn't. Because, well, Mark's behind the desk pushing <laughs> buttons inaccurately. It was, however, Hiraku with Vampires and Bubblegum, who are a Tassie act. Yeah. And Mark, please go and see if you can resurrect the Dead Maggies. Oh, I have. Excellent. They're alive again. Wonderful. Ready for the next song break. Okay. Leon, Hello. it is your turn to shine yep. and talk about the next game. Yeah. This particular episode. Yes, this next game brought to you by our good friends at LFG who sent it to us. Thank you very much, Charles. We always appreciate it. But a bit of a story about this game before I talk about it, right? Remember back, lads, in 2016 when we played Rollers? Remember Rollers? It was a race to open and close numbers to earn five points to win. Yeah? Uh, It's ranked 16,868 on BGG. Uh, It was designed by nobody. And it has art by nobody, but it's published by USAopoly. I don't remember that at all. Well, funnily enough, do you remember the year after, in 2017, 
when we played Rollers Deluxe, Whoa! which is somehow lower in the ranking, 18,570. Uh, it was also uh, art by nobody, designed by nobody, uh, no. published by USAopoly. But then, ooh, a year or two later, uh, there was this movie called Fantastic Beasts that uh, people that are humongous fans of Harry Potter mm. will attempt to tell you is not a H-grade disaster of a film. But it is, I'm afraid. <laughs> the Harry Potter films are A-plus awesome. Those fantastic films are blah, blah, blah. But there was a game called Fantastic Beasts Perilous Pursuits, which was ranked 6,578. Ooh, Whoa. Getting better, However... I mean, it had art by nobody. However, it was designed by somebody. Yeah, that's it a was, nice change. It was designed by Cami Mandel, who was one of the designers of Hogwarts uh, Battle. Oh, that's a good game. Yes, but that's not what we're talking about today. Oh, that okay. was all just r- ridiculous because the game we're talking about came out last year. No, so probably don't need that. <laughs> so it is still Perilous Pursuits, but it is Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuits. It has, however, dropped 5,000 positions in the ranking uh, to 11,396. And it is, again, designed by nobody and art by nobody, but published by USA. Well, let me tell you, there's been a little change in the rankings, Leon. Yeah? It's now 11,401. Wow. It's got even worse. In, in the last 12 or so hours, it's dropped five spaces. <laughs> Interesting. So, now, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is originally was a PlayStation 2 game that I played when it first comes out because I'm that old now. And at the time, it was... Is this why you were headbanging to Cycropnik? Yes, almost identically the same time. Uh, And it is a mix of the worlds of Final Fantasy or the game design of a Final Fantasy mixed with Disney uh, franchises. Now... Uh, do you need us to tell you what a Final Fantasy sort of world is? No, is like, I'm or? pretty sure I can figure this out from here. Okay. So Any- is, it, is it called Final, Final Fan Disney? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it's... No, it's called Kingdom Hearts. However, this game, since that, has then gone on to spawn many different spin-offs and sequels to this game. It is one of the most complicated and convoluted stories you'll ever hear mm. in your life. And if I tried to explain it right now, it would somehow make it worse. Okay. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. Either way, so the game... Thank you. Sounds like a multiverse thing. Yes. Okay. So anyway, cool little anime characters in a Disney world. There you go. That's what it is. So in this game, you take on the role of Sora, Goofy, Donald, Kyrie, and Riku on their journey through the memorable worlds of Kingdom Hearts to rid them of the evil Heartless. You're going to collect sets of dice and work together in this cooperative-based game based off the hit video game series to take actions to protect each other, attack the Heartless, collect potions, excitingly, and seal the door to save six worlds without letting the darkness take over. Now, darkness will come up a lot Anytime you mention Kingdom Hearts, because every second word in that game is the darkness is going to overflow with darkness and oh. be filled with darkness and darkness. And when it's not dark, yep. so when it's light, yep. can you see that Donald Duck still doesn't have pants on? He doesn't indeed have pants on. However, he is now a high-level wizard. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and, Go- and Goofy has a big old shield that he likes to use. I was going to say, as long as we don't see the high-level wizard's wand, we'll be all good. So this is a cooperative dice-rolling game that is for families and for uh, overweight, middle-aged white men like us. <laughs> Okay. Because they sent it to us, so it's life for us. <laughs> uh, so what you're going to do in this game is you, the active player, are going to collect the dice. There's going to be six of them, which are very nice looking dice. I'll give them that. Almost Kingdom... Uh, kingdom? King of Tokyo style dice. There's five blue and one black. You're going to roll them and then follow the Yahtzee style rules of being able to roll them again. And you're going to assign them to different things and save them to different spots. But the reason you're going to be doing that is because you're trying to ready and set different abilities you have on your character sheet. And I want to give this game one thing. Even though the game's basic mechanics are quite basic, each character is unique in that they have special abilities and it takes different amounts of dice to ready different skills. So all the characters in this do feel quite different for a game that's with pretty simple mechanics, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And it is important, especially if you're playing it at less than maximum player count, to kind of have a bit of a discussion around what characters to play. Yeah. Because you need characters that have got, you know, some powers that they can trigger with with a fewer number of dice. Uh, but then those special abilities that each character has, you, you definitely want to try and ready and set them yeah. if possible because they can make or break the 
Heartless or the darkness. Yes, yes. The, the, the heartless that are trying to make things dark. You're trying to defeat okay. them to fight off the darkness and the heartless. So yes, that's what you're trying to do, Garth. So what are these different things that you can ready and set? Well, I'll tell you. Stop Thank looking you. at me like that. It's written down right here. Just because I'm not wearing pants either. Yes. I mean, you told us to, to come in the theme of our favourite character from yes. this particular game. Exactly. So one of the things you can do is you can collect, which is draw an item card from the item deck and place it in front of you. There is no limit. And those item cards you can use pretty much every nearly any time and you can use them on yourself but on your fellow companions as well that sounds like a positive thing the negative thing is the art design of these cards which is oh is it minus one out of ten maybe it's <laughs> it, they're tiny little cards that you flip them over and they're item cards do you have a picture of the item no you have tiny little writing and then that's it and that's what these items are. Are we allowed to talk about the components and stuff yet? Or oh, we, we will get to okay. it. We will get to it. Based off this incredibly charismatic and colourful IP, we will get to the components in this game. Don't oh, you worry about oh, it. Oh, 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 hey, Leon. I um, can't wait till we get to talk to that bit. <laughs> that's the worst Donald Duck I've ever heard. That is <laughs> atrocious. You can protect is where you gain shields, and shields help you prevent damage. And you can have five shields per character. And you can put them on your player board, which I will give you is an indented player board. The, the player boards, I think, are exceptional. Except for your health tracker at the top, which you use like the House on Haunted Hill yeah, little clip, clip fours, to, which is the rest of it being indented and making perfect sense. Why would they then put that stupid clip up? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. But the player boards... Player boards are the are best awesome. components. But you, you'd see the player boards and you see the dice and you go, woo, just then you see the rest of the game and the design. Anywho, you can attack which is attacking the heartless, heartless on their world track, which is, you know, trying to defeat them. You can distract, which means when the bad guys are going to roll, they're going to roll less dice to do less damage to you. Or you can use the special ability. Everyone has a special ability. Things like Sora, the main character, he's very fighty, so he's going to do more damage. Then you have things like Goofy, who's going to be able to defend people and heal people and things of that nature. So on your turn, you're going to be rolling these dice, then you're going to be setting them to different abilities. Once they are set, you can then use a, another die with that same symbol to actually activate that ability. But not just that, anybody else that's already had theirs set, you can give them a dice and they can activate too. Cool. So it is a proper co-op game that once everybody gets going with these dice and have things all set ready to go, you'll start smacking down that bad guy because early on in the game when you don't have stuff set, that bad guy is going to slap you around quite a bit. Yeah, those heartless are darkness. Yes. And they are mean. Yes. And you want to take every advantage that you can to, to kill them. Yeah, and is, they is also... Is that what you do in, in Kingdom Hearts? You kill them or uh, just... Uh, give or take. Okay. And they, also... They become undarked. Also, right. you have that uh, evil black dice as well that if uh, that rolls a specific symbol, you can't save any of the dice you just rolled, which is another little kink in the whole armor mm. that these heartless and darkness and darkness and heartless are going to be going up against so you'll be doing this and you'll be trying to destroy the heartless and save the world so different kind of toy sto toy story different sort of disney <laughs> type of worlds which i think is nice and you're trying to do that to six different ones and that's how you do a win of the game hey yeah so it's pretty simple um it can ramp up in difficulty quite severely by the time it gets to the end of it but that is the basic idea of what you're doing marky boy Oh, 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 hi, Leon. Yep. Can we talk about the components yet? Uh, you can if you feel like it. Just not like oh, that. Oh, oh, oh. It's the best effort I can do at Goofy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, uh, I was young else? once and I remember what Goofy sounded like okay. the, when he was a black and white cartoon. So the components in this game... Uh, can we edit that bit up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a story that has a, a beginning and an end but no middle because mm. they're either really 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 good like the player boards yeah. and the dice which are all yeah. you know these these you know custom type dice yep. or they're just horrendous yeah those item cards and the world boards that have the heartless and stuff on them the not just the fact that they've got pictures on them that are kind of uninspiring and anybody that knows anything about kingdom hearts if you watch any like youtube video that shows a trailer for any of these games of, their of the last 20 years of different spin-offs and this, that, and the other, the thing you'll notice straight away is, wow, this is colourful and crazy and all these characters and yeah. interesting stuff going on. Yes, it's convoluted and madness, but just looking at it, whoa, the stuff that you could do with this graphically in designing a game is endless. And this game is just filled with black boards that have the tiniest little symbols for little tracks that you can move. And it's just, I have never touched Photoshop in my entire life. 
I think I could do better in about two hours than some of the components in this game. What what comes to mind with this game is that someone's come along and gone, hi, I'm the project manager for Disney's Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit. Here's our budget. No, it was designed by nobody, Mark. Remember now, that. Now, I've... Uh, no, but I'm the project manager, Leon. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> I'm the project manager. Oh, maybe that's where it went wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and the project manager says, all right, here's our budget. The good news is we've got all this money to spend. The bad news is I've spent 95% of it acquiring the IP, and so you've got $75.37 left to get some art that you can stick on the cards, okay? Well, it looks, like, it. it looks like what the artists have done, of which the artist is not applicable, no. <laughs> is, is maybe just taken some screenshots yeah, and then make sure that they look 2D. Yeah, not even good ones. And then, yeah, made them look, look really boring. And then, yeah, like the Heartless World track, which you know, is the health of the guy that you're going up against is the tiniest little track with oh, a tiny little component that's just... The Heartless Marker, Yeah. when I unpacked <laughs> this game, yep. was about one and a half seconds away from being thrown in the bin <laughs> I because read, I thought it yeah. was just something that had been punched out. I read a, a, a shit. similar review on BGG that said the exact same thing, that yeah. they almost threw it in the bin. Without a word of a lie, it cannot be more than... I don't know, five to seven millimetres in yeah. diameter. It's just utterly ridiculous. And the thing with this game is that um, I think the actual mechanic of this game, well, there's not much to it. It's a very, very simple game. I think the idea of it is actually not bad. However, if you read, or if you, read, if you listen to my intro, this is their fourth crack at this kind of design of this, and they still kind of haven't got it right. Because the way this game works, like I said, with you setting those abilities, early on in the rounds of this, uh, you're rolling dice to set these abilities, which does get a bit of tension. However, what it does realistically mean is that on your turn, you're not really doing anything. You're setting, rolling dice and half the time not being able to achieve actually any abilities. You're kind of setting yourself up for later. But the bad guys are still wailing on you. And then the flip side of that is once you have these abilities, once everybody on the board has all these abilities of set, you're just a giant whirlwind of death pretty much, and you're just mm. going to annihilate everything in front of you. During the rounds, between the rounds, the enemies will... Um, attack you, sorry, between the different worlds you're going through, uh, they can force you to unset and unready different actions. So that's the way they kind of go back to their net zero and you have to go again, which is makes sense. I understand that. But just overall, it just it seemed like a good idea and that it just kind of... Yeah. I, I have to admit, I quite... Because I do enjoy dice games. I quite enjoyed the dice mechanic of this, but you just feel like... That, hey, as you said, we're getting ready to attack something and we're being very tactical about how we're dividing the dice up between each other and getting these abilities set to go. And when you set them off, there's a real sense of accomplishment. If the rest of the game contributed to the fun instead of that looking so dead boring, this this actually could be not a bad game. Well, the thing is... You mean it could crack the top 10,000? <laughs> The thing is, which I find funny, is that Maybe. if someone could play this and look at the design of this, they could go, okay, I like the basic idea of you know assigning dice and keeping dice and being co-op and help. Somebody could have taken this and then made, say, oh, I don't know, the game Elder Sign, yeah. which is yeah. 10 years old by yeah. this point, 10 years before this game was designed. So it's just a massive step back from, like, Elder Sign's a good game. And again, after a few plays of it, it kind of gets a little bit, I wouldn't say boring, but it gets a little bit samey, even though with lots of expansions. But Elder Sign's a decent game. But as I said, it's 10 years old. So what does this game think it was doing? That game was even old when Rollers came out in 2016. <laughs> but even, you know, pitching it as kind of a cooperative King of Tokyo style game. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I think there is something in here that could make it fun. Yeah, there is a. But it just maybe it needs another seventy five dollars and thirteen cents of budget. <laughs> there is there there is a game here, and for families that you know love Disney stuff, because there's not heaps of Disney stuff in there. Because like we said, some of the art and graphic design is garbage, even though they could have used so much. I understand there's licensing of lots of different stuff, but there's clearly different characters in this that they could have used a million times over, and they just didn't. Um, the game is not that bad. However, there's so many other games that are just better and yeah. you know in the same kind of category so if you could pick this up really cheap and if you're a massive fan of the games like you could try it it's not the worst thing we've ever played but just it's just i can't give it anything more than everything about this is just eh. and why and this and this year and if this was a game that was again 10 years old you'd mm. kind of go okay interesting idea there's some stuff we can work on here but in this day and age 
What are they doing bringing out something like this? And look, well, like, I think I think they're relying on the, the Disney um, name to, yeah. to sell units because if it can go into Disney stores or to the Disneyland's or the Disney Worlds or the Disney websites and all that, it's gonna it's gonna shift product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Gonna do that. Does it bring people into the hobby? Probably not. No. And look, I am reminded of Shannon Kelly, great Australian designer. And that brilliant little sort of nasty little game, Lucidity. Oh, Lucidity. Six-sided nightmare. Nightmare, which, you know, no doubt would have nowhere near the production the the, the production budget no. of this game. Not the $75, no. But, you know, <laughs> invoked so much feeling of evil, weird, mystery sort of thing with just dice and a few bits of art and that was just Ch- shannon paying a tattooist that he knew yep. to put knock up a few bits of art and then he did all the rest of it exactly yep. and, and then it. he also you know extrapolated that idea yep. and turned into runica, runica. which yeah. is another slightly more intricate version mm-hmm. of, of using dice but look I, I would like to like this game i would yeah. think you know sitting around the table again with kids chucking dice and working together to solve a, a, a big bad world from dying um that that seems like fun but Unless you know the IP yeah. and you're invested in it, I don't but, know. I, I'm not going to buy it. But even yeah. still, you're going to look at those components and go, Dad, why is this so bad? <laughs> <laughs> and look, let's not let's not blame our good friends at LFG-Oz.com.au no, no, who it. sent us this game thinking, hey, this, might, this game might be okay. Can you guys have a look at it? And tell the world what you think. That we did. We've told you what, what we think. We've told all of Gen Con. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, you know what, what time I think it is, lads? It's it's song time. It's so- time for the Dead Maggies again. Oh, again. Give it another crack. Yes. You're on Edge Radio 99.3 F. No. The Dead Maggies have Just- died, I'm sad. <laughs> right, I have, it's not me clicking the button. I click the button and the track vanished. Yeah, of don't. course. Okay. Just Let's edit them just in later. Play so- we'll be back shortly. You're on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello everyone, it's Mark here, just joining you in a break in the action to let you know how you can get more Dice Men Cometh. What? There's more? Absolutely there is. You may have heard rumours of our secret episodes. Well now it's not a secret and I want to tell you how you get access to them. All you have to do is join us on Patreon, and not only will you be able to access these amazing secret episodes, which our current Patreons have been raving about, 90 to 120 minutes of fun and frivolity, all sorts of interactions with Patreon listeners, and also some red-hot top 10s, it's a much more relaxed, chatty style from the normal podcast, and everyone who has been listening has really been enjoying them. Not only that, you get a pair of exclusive dice. When you join up, you'll automatically be entered into a quarterly friends-only board game giveaway. And as I said, you can ask questions and interact with us as part of the secret episodes. And finally, you get to earn the title of official friend of the Dice Men just by supporting us. We appreciate the support so much of everyone that already does. And we love producing these extra episodes for you. I'm sure you would love it if you aren't already listening. So please consider checking out patreon.com forward slash Diceman Cometh and seeing if you think it's a value for you. Anyway, back to the show. Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Man Cometh. And that was Being in Love by a band called Wet Leg, which is a, a name that I found find also disturbing. <laughs> and this is a person who grew up with metalhead things like Cannibal Corpse. That doesn't bother me, but Wet Leg. We've got a board game. We've knocked out a dice game. We're going to talk about a card game now, aren't we, Marky Boy? We are. Not just a card game, Leon. Not just any card game, but mm. a card game about Star Wars. <gasps> Jabba's Palace. Ooh. Me wonga la do jabba do jabba. 
<laughs> it's just a... Was that goofy? Night of, night of endless impressions, isn't it? So, in Star Wars Jabba's Palace, me wongity Jabba Palace, two to six players descend into the lair of the vile gangster, me Jabba. Use the skills of the heroes of the Rebel Alliance and palace denizens to defeat your foes and carry out your agenda. Now, that sounds like a fancy, complicated sort of minis on a map type of game, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got to be at least a 12-hour campaign game, I reckon. Yeah, well, mm. you know what? No. It's not. Ah. This is actually a, a re-theme of what is a brilliant little card game, and that is Love Letter. Oh. Now, of course, you know, Love Letter came out back in 2012. Seiji... 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 Can I? Um, the original Japanese designer. I have the Seiji Can I Factory Edition from 2012. Um, but there have I've been... I've got the, the Georgie and Orin version from their wedding. <laughs> yes, that's right. Which we're not in, but my wife is. She that's is, right. That's Annoyingly. Right. And, and so Love Letter has been reproduced lovingly... Many, many times. And we've seen a Batman theme. We've seen a Hobbit theme. We've seen quite a few different things. Well, not just that. It was essentially the rise of the the micro game genre. And it's not like this game was the first one ever. However, once this came out, everyone went, ooh, if we can get some, you know, 10, 20, you know, $15 games on counters in like comic book stores and stuff. Ooh, there's money to be had here. Exactly. So this is a recent reskin from, oh, let's have a look what the date might be. No, it's not in the book because it's so small. Um, never mind. Um, it's a recent reskin of Love Letter. How old is it, Mark? Uh, I don't know. I haven't got BGG in front of me. I've just got this tiny little book. Let me, let just, me, uh, let me think back. A while ago, shall we let say. Let me think back to 2022. It's just come out this year. And I have to give a huge shout out to our very good friends at LFG. You can find them at lfg-oz.com.au. And again, they have provided this. And I think, unlike the last LFG game, they're actually onto a bit of a winner. Mm. Because this is actually fun. Now, I actually love playing Love Letter. It is a great little game. Yeah. A great little filler. You can play two people up to... The original Love Letter, I think, played four. And then they brought out an expansion that, that went to five. With this version... You can actually play, as I said, two to six players. Crazy talk. But the best thing about this game, apart from the fact that whenever you want Jabba, you can do impressions and, from and Star Wars. It, and it gives me a chance to whip out the old gold bikini. <laughs> That's which right. I am absolutely wearing underneath my hoodie as we speak. Well, because in <laughs> I'm here... I'm still wearing no pants. Yeah. In here, you don't have... Just like Jabba. Well, I was going to say, you don't have guards and princesses. You do have guards. You do have a princess. But you have all the famous, or not all the famous characters, some of the characters from Star Wars. You effectively have two sides. So you have the Rebel Alliance side where you have Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Landau Calrissian, Chewbacca. That's not Chewbacca. No, that's R2-D2. C-3PO. And Garth, who's this an impression of? <laughs> that is that is audio. Han Solo <laughs> in Kryptonite. It's an audio medium. Carbonite. Carbonite. Audio. Can you that's believe what... no one wants to pay to send us to the real Gen Con? <laughs> is it so, astonishing? That's right. You have Han Solo, but he's encased in Carbonite. Kryptonite. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Adamantium. On the <laughs> other side, you have the aforementioned Risa no Lord Jabba. And how's that spelt? J A W B A. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you have Jabba the Hutt, you have his Rancor, who's made a comeback recently in another Star Wars TV show, as has Boba Fett, as has Bib Fortuna, as has maybe this mercenary who looks slightly familiar, as has my second favourite Muppet from the Star Wars franchise. Oh, Salacious. Salacious Crumb. <laughs> Who I think was stolen straight from the set of like the Dark Crystal or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or Fraggle Rock or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the uh, I think they're called the Gamoran Guards, the yeah. the Pig Guards. Mm-hmm. So you've got them on one side, and you've got the Rebel Alliance on the other side. So I don't, they don't call them the Scum and Villainy franchise. They just call them like Jabba's Minions, Jabba's Denizens. So you've got this sort of two sides thing happening. Well, at the same time, you've got 
the old love letter mechanic, which is, as described in the book here, the very elegant draw a card, play a card. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can't it. get much simpler than that. Um, so you've still got the draw a card, play a card mechanic. You've still got the numbers on the cards, but you just don't have the simple one to eight because Han Solo... Wasn't it one to nine? I think so. No, I've got the numbers here in front of me. Zero to Um, nine. No, the princess is seven, isn't she? I don't think. Anyway, (laughs) um, so Han Solo, in case they they still can't hear you, Mark. (laughs) He's he's a number zero. Because basically, he's encased in carbonite. He doesn't do anything. (laughs) No. But... Oh, is he encased in carbonite? He he is. He He doesn't even shoot first. He makes a great trophy on your wall. So believe it or not, if you... Have Han Solo encased in carbonite in your hand at the end of the round. You get a bonus token because he looks good stuck on your wall. Honestly. Um, you've got, so in your normal love letter, you've got your guards where you try to guess the cards that the other person have. Well, in this case, the guard guards, the Gamoran piggy guards, they do that. But the Rebel Alliance on their side, their guard is C-3PO. And he has a special ability, which is not so great, which is he gets to guess what card you've got in your hand. But if he gets it wrong... Well, he would never get it wrong, Master. Um, you get to guess um, what card he's got in his hand. Yeah. So it's a bit two-sided. And so similarly with other abilities, they're just little twists on the love letter abilities, but with a little um, Star Wars twist. Like, I can't go without not talking about the Rancor, the great big dinosaur beast that we did see recently in the new Boba Fett TV show. Um, with the Rancor, he eliminates... The, the lowest character. And if there's one or more characters that are the same level, they get eliminated. And you get the fun of counting from one up until you come across whoever the lowest or equal lowest characters are. They're just all wiped out straight away. Because it's great. that's what hungry rancors do. They do. They always so, eat from lowest to highest. I look, I don't know that I have to say... Famously. I don't know that I have to say much more about this game apart from A, it's Star Wars. B, it's Love Letter. C, it's fun. And D... Not just are there different abilities because of the Star Wars characters. Maybe there's different win conditions. Oh, I didn't yeah, even that mention. that is absolutely D. The whole point of the game, I believe. The, the agenda card. So you're right. So instead of just the normal win condition of last person standing and the, then you get a token. Or highest card. Yeah. yeah. You. There are a couple of different things where one of them, you add up the total of the cards you played on your hand if you're still in the round at the end of the round because obviously this can play six, which means you're more likely for the deck to run out. So I think there's four different agendas with different win conditions just to shake it up. So not only are you getting Love Letter, not only are you getting Star Wars, but you're shaking it up with extra win conditions. So much replayability. And guess what? Even though it's a small you know, deck of cards in a tiny little bag, it's used its graphic design very, very well. Yep. That's right. Isn't that right, Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit? <laughs> sure. And I really do like the little chip tokens yeah, they're very, there they're very for, nice. when you, for when you win around. They're really, yep. really cool. Um, and the art on the cards is just, it takes you back into the universe. Yeah, so this is a Z-Man production. And again, they have done a great job. It's got like cartoony drawn images of the characters, so they're not movie stills or anything, but they look quite like movie stills. Yeah, and everyone should own a copy of Love Letter, and this is as good an edition as any of them. Anyway, we've done what we usually do, which is we've absolutely run out of time. We've gone right up to the edge of the show. Three, no, I was going to say three great games. Well, thank you to Two everyone great for coming games. out in yeah. Studio J. Sorry, Hall J. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a, a ride and a half. We've got to get on planes back to Tasmania now. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, play lots of games. Bye. Bye. Love you, Leon. You're great. Yeah. You're the best one. You're the prettiest one. Yeah. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.